Well, what do you think? I mean, I mean, it's kind of a loaded question, isn't it? I mean, if it stinks, it stinks. It smells bad for everybody. Smell bad for you? Yeah. I mean, what do you want me to do? Make excuses for him? And let me ask the obvious question. Last week you said, obviously, Henry's still the starter. Is he still the starter? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> As I said, we have two really good quarterbacks. We had a chance to win. We didn't get it done. We'll go back to work tomorrow, uh, and we'll go to fixing it. And that's what we're, we're going to do. Um, a lot of football season left, whole heck of a lot of football season left. And i tell you what, I saw a bunch of fighters in that locker room, a bunch of friggin' fighters on the sideline. And uh, that's a football team that's going to continue to improve and get better. They're going to fight to improve and get better. I don't know how many games we're going to win, but I know we're going to fight. Quarterbacks are like dogs. I mean, if you throw them a treat, then they respond. You know, they'll – they get smiles on their face, their tails wag, and you know, and then uh, you know, and then pretty soon they'll they'll be a little more affectionate towards you as far as throwing the ball your direction. You see, and we played some pretty good teams and beat some pretty good teams. You know, so we're we're headed that direction. We got a long way to go, but tonight sure was nice. Oh, welcome in to the latest episode of that. SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Michael on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, buddy, what's going on? Oh, doing good. Are you? Are, let me ask uh-huh. you, are you drunk if you're drinking before noon, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, a little behind the curtain here. We're recording early. Shane's got plans, so he mm. said, "Hey, I ain't gonna be on this thing unless we do it early." And I said, "Well, we That's ain't right. doing it without the star of the show." <laughs> so, had to get you on, Shane, to just you know share your thoughts. We got a lot of big games here in the SEC this weekend, so mm-hmm. really just wanted mm-hmm. to to get your thoughts on a couple of the matchups this weekend. How's that sound? Yeah, sounds great, brother. I enjoyed the podcast this morning. That's the first thing I did. Got up. Listen to your interview. I thought that was fantastic, and uh, uh, yeah, I'm ready to I'm ready to give my two cents, Mike. <laughs> yeah, and uh, the uh, playoff rankings are coming out tonight. They're not coming out till about nine o'clock at mm-hmm. night. So I was not going to have Dragon Chain on the show <laughs> at that time to discuss it. So uh, I'll do a little editing here, and I'll break down the latest college football playoff rankings. And then we'll jump back to the show with Cousin Shane. If you stayed up late, you got to watch the latest college football playoff rankings. And if you ever needed to know this is nothing but a sideshow for ESPN to to push their product, doing it after college basketball, we had to wait for that for some damn reason. Had to do it at halftime from up there in Madison Square Garden. But we waited all that time, not for much change at the top. Georgia, number one, of course, as expected. No other choice there. Alabama stays number two despite the uh, narrow win there at home against LSU. But again, who are you going to put up in front of Alabama? So don't really have a problem with Alabama number two. For some damn reason, Texas A&M still not in the top ten. The Aggies, number 11 in the updated college football playoff rankings. Number 15, Ole Miss. Number 17, Auburn. They took a tumble. Again, how much sense does that make? You lost the number 11 on the road while you're tumbling. And then, hey, good news for the Arkansas Razorbacks. You're ranked number 25 in the college football playoff rankings. But again, so you kick Mississippi State out. They were 17, I believe, last week. They lose by three points on the road to a team you got ranked now. I don't know. It just doesn't make any damn sense to me. Keep Arkansas maybe around 20, 21, 22, Mississippi State, 23, 24. That would have made a hell of a lot more sense than me. And initial takeaway, of course, only one SEC East team, and they're the number one team in the nation. No other East team at the moment is ranked. And the rest of the poll of SEC teams all from the SEC West. So once again, one more time, Georgia number one, Alabama number two, Texas A&M number 11, Ole Miss number 15, Auburn 17, and Arkansas 
25. That's your updated SEC teams in the college football playoff rankings. All right, Shane, so those rankings are bogus. We haven't even seen them, but we can say that. <laughs> it's hard to believe Cincinnati's not in the top 25 anymore. And no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> they done crowned them, I bet. So we'll find out tonight. Uh, it's probably best I'm not on that part of the pod. <laughs> and that's why I wanted to start off with the early, man. It's it's 11.36 right now, a.m. Um, and we just in case somebody gets fired or something like that, and you're like, why the hell didn't they start the show with that? Well, as much as we like to talk about, you know, contracts and, and new, nothing has happened at this moment. I mean, I saw Scott Frost re- renegotiated, and they said, "Hey, man, we're paying you a little too much here. Let's let's give you let's give you this, and we'll keep you for another year." So I saw that, but uh, uh, is there any chance? Let me ask you, Mike, because uh, that's one of the names I keep floating around. Um, prior to him going to Nebraska, there was a lot. There was a lot of people talking about it in Florida when the the Gainesville job opened up. Right? Is there any chance that you we see Scott Frost as bad as he's done in in Nebraska? Is, is there any chance that he somehow lands some miracle job here in the SEC? Well, it depends on uh, how bad he wants to be an offensive coordinator and quarterback coach, Shane, because I think that's the only option. I mean, he's still probably got a little bit of buzz, not much, but a little from his time at UCF. But maybe at the end of the day, that's kind of like the speed he's at is uh, whatever league that is. I mean, he needs to be at, at a lower tier. You know what I mean? Yeah, I got you. Yeah, I just saw it. I saw it on my ticker this morning. I thought we'd bring it up a little bit. Just because I have heard some names. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've even seen some Gator fans say, well, hell, we'll try them out. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the interesting thing about that, Shane, that is somewhat SEC related, he, I don't have the names in front of me, but I believe he fired four or five assistant coaches, yeah. Scott Frost did. Clearly, we've seen mm-hmm. Dan Mullen. He had to fire two guys this week. Uh, the Texas Tech job has come open, and they've already hired a guy, Shane. They're, they're hiring a Baylor assistant coach. And mm-hmm. here it is. What is the date here? November 7th, November 8th. We are mm-hmm. we got all these changes coming, and it all has to do, Shane, with the early signing period. And it has just yeah. accelerated this entire process And the, because these recruits – we're five weeks away from the signing period. They need to know who they're mm-hmm. playing for. They need to know, right. you know, who's going to be there, who's not. So it is just incredible how fast this thing has accelerated. And I think that uh, for for a program like LSU, that obviously has a head coaching job, you got to have a coach by that early signing period. There's right. there's no way about it. So uh, I think that's good news if you're looking for a coach, if you're looking for a coordinator. These things are getting done at warp speed. And, uh, I mean, the moves are going to be coming and coming fast here at the mm-hmm. the last month of the season. You know what? Absolutely. And that's what you're seeing here with a lot of bad programs making these moves early, mm-hmm. uh, like you said, because obviously your your team's not where it needs to be. And how do you repair that? You do that with recruiting, and you got to get some folks in there. It kind of surprises me, uh, believe it or not, Mike, with this LSU situation that we haven't heard some real strong rumors. It seems like they'd want to get some name and some buzz out there who's going to be there. But, uh, you know, LSU's not one of those programs that – I mean, you never want to take a year off from recruiting, but if there's any program that could still put together a nice little recruiting pack, you would think it would be the LSU Tigers just by the name alone. So, I guess there's maybe not as much urgency at that program as others, but – I mean, we, we expect a hiring soon as the season's over, right? Yeah, I think if they're going to get an active head coach, I would think the day after that guy's regular season is done. Yeah. They, they'll be announcing it right around that time. I mean, it'll be very, very quick. <laughs> it'll be quick. Yeah. Absolutely, because recruiting is right around the corner. So, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of the rankings, Shane, we haven't even seen them, but we know who's number one. <laughs> it's them Georgia Bulldogs for good mm-hmm. reason. And they are coming down to Rocky Top. <laughs> and we are in a number of text threads, a lot of Twitter threads. These Vols are high on the hog, so to speak. They're, they're smelling an upset. And this is one Cousin Shades had circled for weeks saying, well, you know, them Bulldogs, they haven't had to outscore anybody yet. So, I don't know. Thoughts on the matchup, Shane? I keep getting, you know, people wanting to know what are the odds, what are the chances, huge upset. Maybe Georgia is overlooking the, the Vols. 
Uh, I, I don't know. What are the kind of, what are you looking into this weekend? And, and I know, you know, I'm not trying to spoil any picks here, but I think it would be a massive, massive upset, of course, if, if Georgia were to go down. But, uh, you know, what are your mm-hmm. thoughts on this matchup heading into it? Mike, here's here's <laughs> here's the deal, man. All right, I, I'm so bad at this. I do it every game. I do it every year. It doesn't matter who's at quarterback. doesn't matter who's on the field. It, it, at, at some point, you convince yourself – that you have a shot, mm-hmm. you know? And it's not just a Tennessee thing. I, I think that's at every college football program. You're going into a Saturday, and you're like, you know what? I think we could beat these boys. Now, I know that's a tall glass of water for the Georgia Bulldogs. Hell, I've been singing their praises since day one. I, I, I've been on this show many a time saying, this is the year that they probably win that national championship. But then part of you is like, you know what? Clemson does suck. <laughs> you know, you go back to week one. And then you're like, okay, well, let's see. UAB, eh, South Carolina, eh, Vanderbilt, no. Arkansas, when you caught them at the wrong t- I think the thing with Arkansas, here's what I'm looking at, just as a Tennessee homer for a second, Mike. Mm-hmm. Got my big orange glasses on, drinking my big orange Kool-Aid, and I'm saying, you know, you caught Arkansas at their weakest moment, man. They just – they went through Texas A&M. They were battling some injuries. They just, you know, they they made a, a lot of boneheaded mistakes in that game. Yeah. Uh, got away with it. They go down to Auburn. I'm not saying it was a, a, a just a blowout because it wasn't. Auburn hung in that game for quite some time. Then Georgia took it away. Then you look at Kentucky, one of their closest fought ball games in Florida. And the thing that I'm seeing with these teams over and over and over is there's no offense, man. Well, did you watch the Tennessee Vols? That wasn't our problem last week. The problem was our defense. Mm-hmm. We had no problems moving up and down the field. In fact, we had like two or three missed drives, but we capitalized on every other drive since that point. So so there's – I mean, there's a part of me that says, yes, we got a shot. But then I got to be realistic, Mike. I got to be realistic. You can't say that and then look over here and look at the greatest defense to ever play college football. And I'm saying that again, Mike. I'm going back in time. I don't care about the Miami days. I don't care about the Oklahoma days. I don't care about the Nebraska days. This this is the best damn defense that has ever played college football, and it's deep. It's not – it's not topical, man. This this is a deep roster. If they miss somebody, there's two others that are popping up and making plays. That's just how impressive this defense is. They're able to score at will. But then, again, part of me is like, well, they've never played an offense quite like us. I'm not saying we're gimmicky, Mike, but I am saying it's one of those type of games. Like, you, you remember Georgia Tech in years past? Mm-hmm. That you, you just – it's like, shit, we, why did we sign up the wishbone here, you know? <laughs> Because you're not, you don't see it all the time, and and, and I, again, there's a lot more great. You see it with Ole Miss, you're seeing it with Mississippi State, but it's still not like quite like Tennessee. As quick as they run plays, and just how fluid their offense is hitting, and boy, is it hitting. That's the thing, Mike. You're getting the best Tennessee offense that you've seen all season long, going against the best defense that you've seen all season long. So. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm excited about the game. I'm not going in with realistic expectations of winning this thing, but there's that little guy in the back that's saying <laughs> there's still a chance. It's like it's like Jim Carrey on Dumb and Dumber, you know, so you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> well, I like your comments there about the Tennessee's pace of play because that is something that Mark Stoops said after that game. We all know Mark Stoops' defensive background. Mm-hmm. Proud tradition of uh, having a solid defense there in Lexington. They just got shredded. And the thing he said was, you know, th- there's just no way to prepare for this. I mean, we we have yeah. our scout guys trying to do their best to go at that pace. But it's something that you work on in the offseason. And then once you get into the grind of the season, it's not like you're, you're spending a day every week preparing for Tennessee that's coming up in November. It's just not possible. Right. So. It, mm-hmm. This is something that, uh, you know, Georgia has not faced Old Miss, like you said. They've obviously not faced Tennessee yet. So this – I'm not saying it's the kryptonite of the Georgia defense because I'm right there with you. I don't think they have a kryptonite. But this mm-hmm. will be certainly a test for them to answer. But on the flip side, 
I'm, a, I'm concerned if I'm Tennessee about protecting Hendon Hooker in this game. Kentucky got after him. Alabama got after him. Uh, this offensive line is, you know, I don't want to call them a weak link because it, the offense is playing so well, you can't say it's a weak unit. But mm-hmm. going up against some of the better competition they faced, they have struggled this season. That would be an issue for me. But let me ask you about the defense, Shane, because – that was the worst performance we've seen all year from Tennessee against mm-hmm. Kentucky. So is it, a, you think uh, coaches have kind of found a way to exploit it or uh, do you think they can bounce back and, and be a little bit, uh, you know, Alabama had a lot of luck with them as well. There was, they forced some turnovers though. That was critical to staying mm-hmm. in the game there with Alabama. Now they're playing back on Rocky top CBS game of the, of the week. Any concern on your side that, uh, you know, Tennessee's defense has kind of been discovered here, more or less? <laughs> well, I don't want to say discovered, Mike, but we're just thin as shit, man. Right. I mean, these the, we, we can't rotate. We're not rotating like Georgia. We're not rotating like Kentucky can. We're, we're not that deep right now, and I think that's when it's really starting to show, especially when you do have an offense that's scoring quick. Or what I'm afraid, more afraid of this week is what happens when we go three and out mm-hmm. and that defense comes back. I mean, that's that's always going to be the kryptonite for Tennessee is not their offense. We know their offense is going to be able to move the ball, get points on the board, but it's that defense after being on the field, especially last week, hell, 50, you know, almost – Almost the entire game, they sat there on the field. So I mean, obviously that's a big concern, and and I hope I hope coach didn't do anything with those boys. Just let them sit in an ice bath for six days, you know, get ready for the Georgia Bulldogs. But the part of me that likes this matchup is the fact that say what you want, man, but Georgia and Kentucky are very similar in offense. They they love the the trench warfare. Mm-hmm. They love running the ball. So this is something. I mean, you want to talk about game plan, game script, you're going to be pretty much scripted up for the Georgia Bulldogs. You know exactly what they're going to want to do. They want to control the line of scrimmage. They're going to want to run the ball and then pass off of it. So that's exactly what the formula was for the Kentucky Wildcats. So that part I'm not so concerned about, Mike. My biggest concern is when you look at Tennessee – you look at that Alabama game because you're trying to compare teams, you know. I don't know about you, but that's the way I look at it. I'd like what's when you look at this schedule that we went through, who's the who's the the closest matchup? And I look at Alabama, and the thing that I didn't like about that game is Alabama with little to no help up front. I'm talking no Jordan Davis. Forget the fact that they got the greatest man that's playing college football right now. But the fact that they were able to control the front with three or four guys, mm-hmm. they were they 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 gave our offensive line a fit. They they made us one dimensional. You look at the games that Tennessee's offense just seems unstoppable. It's unstoppable when we can do run and pass. Now the problem is you're going to get the Georgia Bulldogs, and I don't want some of these second down, these third and short plays just thrown away. Just give me plays. It's going to probably be one dimensional again because you're not going to be able to run the ball on Georgia. I just don't see it happening. Yeah, and I think the. It would be as strange as it sounds, Shane. I don't think it would be wise for Tennessee to try to win this game in a shootout, even though that's kind of the, their style of play. Because yeah. you're just not gonna you're not gonna put 30 points up or more on Georgia. Right. I mean, you you've got to you've got to win this one in the 20s. And I think you gotta mm-hmm. you gotta let Georgia do what they're gonna do. You gotta let them pound it. Uh, you just cannot let them hit you over the top. And they they have one of the worst offenses in the red zone when it comes to converting touchdowns in the SEC, in the country even. So I think that's what you got to do, man. You got to hope and pray. You can limit them to field goals, mm-hmm. get some turnovers. But, again, if you try to win a shootout, Tennessee's explosive as hell. But how many times are they going to get the Georgia Bulldogs to slip? I got to think it, it's got to be under four or five times you're going to you're going to hit the bulldogs for a huge play. You know what? Absolutely. You got to be creative, Mike. This is one of those situations that I expect uh more designed quarterback runs. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if you're looking at that front, you're going to have to you're going to have to create more blockers and you do that by by, you know, taking away running backs and you do that by letting your quarterback be the running back. So, I, I being creative, and if if I'm telling you, if Hopple showed you anything, he can be creative. He can come in with a game plan and put Tennessee balls in the in the best possible place. It's just you know, it's got to be a flawless game, Mike. There can't be any drops. 
it, it, you know, you gotta you gotta do your job, and that means that offensive line. That means you gotta hold them a second longer if you can. You find, I'd rather you get a holding penalty than let <laughs> let the thing get blown up and kill my quarterback. You know, right. so that's that's just one of those games that they're just gonna have to play above above their pay grade, and uh, and and the stars got to be aligned. But man, games like this happen, brother. You know, <laughs> so I it's. It's freaking – it's Tuesday, man. You know what I'm saying? So, hell yeah, I'm convinced we got By a shot. Friday, now that be made... picking them to pull the upset. <laughs> I know, right? I feel I feel a Morristown Honda uh, uh, one coming up. But, no, I, I, I am realistic. This this is a, a freaking great Georgia Bulldog team. The, the, the thing that we need is them to just overlook us. We need them to come in similar to that Florida-South Carolina game, and just say, hey, we just show up, we'll win this thing. That's what we need. What we don't need is players out here saying, well, they ain't played us yet, you know? It's like, no, shut up. What are you doing? No media this week, all right? Don't don't be don't be the, the propaganda that Georgia needs. They need no help in winning this game. Most coaches say uh, you should do what you do best, regardless of the opponent. Uh, obviously, well, on paper, Georgia's a better team than you guys and better at what they do than anybody else. What's the temptation like to get outside of the box to do something different this game versus just doing what you guys have done all year schematically? Uh, we change every week, you know, based on, on what you see from the uh, other side of the ball, personnel matchups, put your kids in the best position, you prepare in a great way, you know, have a great week of practice and, and finish it the right way and then go let it let it go play on, on Saturday. You play every game ten times, it, it unfolds differently uh, every single time. So um, prepare in a great way and then react to, uh, to how it's different. And, uh, you know, I thought last week there's some things in our game plan that were different and our kids adjusted extremely well in all three phases of the game. There's lots of things that we can do better from last week too, but uh, Georgia's a great opponent. Uh, our guys are going to be ready to go compete for 60 minutes. I have no question uh, about that with this group. I love competing with this team. Uh, Georgia in the front seven, they like to stand up, sometimes go from a two-point stance, move around, try to confuse uh, the offensive line outside of just being really good to begin with. What have you seen from that unit on tape, and uh, what's the challenge for your big guys up front? It starts with the personnel. They're big, long, physical, athletic. Um, they play with speed. Uh, you know, they do a great job of retracing uh, on perimeter screens. Um, you see that show up. When you think you got space, it, it closes down pretty quick. I don't care if that's in the core or out on the perimeter. They're able to rotate a lot of guys, too. The, the depth of their football team is a, a big part of their success, uh, being able to play guys, you know, essentially almost in 50% in of the ball game and, and rotate through. Um, you know, for us, we've got to do a great job of getting head on hat. We've got to be physical. That's on the perimeter. That's in the core. Uh, we got to do a great job of communication, too, in, in their third down package. Javante, they really haven't been in any close games, Georgia, since maybe Clemson earlier in this year. Mm -hmm. Is that something that you guys will, will think about that, hey, maybe we can, besides the tempo, maybe we can put some pressure on them that they haven't experienced in a while? Um, ext yes, extremely. So, you know, we, we most definitely talked about that today. You know, this is probably the first time Georgia has uh, was going to see an offense that moves as fast as we do, and, you know, it's just about us going out there and doing what we do best, you know. Uh, we we got to make sure we have all the de all the small little details, man. Like, I, I always preach details, you know, Coach Burns and Coach um, Hype. They they on us all the time about making sure that we locked in, we we doing our job on the field. So, we, we most definitely think we can go out there and, you know, um, you know, turn some eyes this week. So, Most players in college football may go their whole career without playing against a number one team. In the SEC, it's routine. Uh, do you like the fact that you're in a conference where that is routine? Oh well, yeah, that's why I'm here. <laughs> like that that's you know, back when I was sixteen, seventeen and I decided I was gonna come to the University of Tennessee, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to knock some number ones off and become number one. Obviously, you know, that's not exactly how it went, but that's what we plan to do, you know, knock a number one off. And that's not a that's not a billboard statement or anything like that. I think everybody who plays a number one team wants to knock them off. So that's what we're going to do, and um, it's just a matter of execution, doing the little things right, and doing it consistently. Kirby, in terms of trying to compare this Tennessee offense to others that you've faced before, is it most comparable to maybe a Gus Malzahn offense in terms of tempo? And, and I guess, um, you know, how do you go about preparing your scout team to run that throughout the week? Yeah, I wouldn't say it's Gus Malzahn, very different. Uh, it's most like Missouri when Hypo was there. 
if you remember, we played uh, uh, Missouri Bible there. We had some games against them uh, while he was there, and, and we've gone back and studied those tapes and looked through those tapes. And he's evolved, and he's different in some ways and uh, added more wrinkles as wrinkles have come to his offense and uh, does a, you know, a, a really good job of being aggressive, of, of keeping the pressure on. Um, in terms of how we get the scout team to run it, we, you know, we, we're very fortunate that we have an abundance of scouts. Uh, this week, we've had a tremendous look between being a little healthier at wide out. You know, Jackson's gone over there. Dom's gone over there. George is taking some reps. All of a sudden, that lineup at wide out has looked a little better from a standpoint of competitive reps. Um, where before we didn't have many guys that could give us a look uh, at receiver because we were so down. But we've had the scout team preparing for this for weeks. Um, we've done a lot of work to get them ready for this. And you know, very similar to when you do a triple option, you better have a plan because it's so different and outside the norm. Kirby, I know Tennessee has hit a couple of its uh, a lot of pass plays with its perimeter blocking with it to free some of those receivers up. But on on the on the balls that they hit down the field. Uh, how are those receivers? Can you tell coming so open? Is that are they are they scripting things where they set you up and all of a sudden punch one, or do they just take a random shot because they've been they've had receivers obviously running free a lot this year? They're fast, and you don't always get lined up properly. I mean, it's 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 very unique, guys. It's like you'd ask the question, how come you can't stop the triple option? Well, it's different. You don't face it every day. I mean, they got guys wide open because people have eye violations. I mean, they, they look at the wrong thing. Sometimes they don't even see the wide receiver. And I know that's hard to believe, but their, their splits are, are clear out on the sideline. You know, half of college football is playing condensed formations now, and everybody's in a teacup where everybody's right next to the ball. And now all of a sudden, these, these guys got two guys outside the numbers. And, I mean, I've seen guys on tape not lined up trying to get a call. I mean, it, it happens to everybody. So it's not like it's, it's not on tape. And uh, it worries you that it can happen to you. You know, you want to make them earn what they get. And they, there's a lot of plays that they've, they've gotten on people off the bus. And uh, you're trying to avoid that. And they've done a tremendous job through tempo of being explosive. And a real quick follow-up, do they stretch the field about as wide as – because Coach Stoops was talking before they played Tennessee just how wide they line up and, and they punch a lot of runs out of that because you're so spread out. Is that as – Yeah, no, make no mistake about it. They're a tremendous run game team. They run the ball, I mean, crazy number of average runs per game. They wear you down, they wear you down, they wear you down. They got good backs, they're physical O-line, they're heavy. I mean, it's not a – it's not an air raid team, guys. It's a – it's a shot team and a pound you team, and they spread you out. They make you declare defenders, and they want you to declare, is he in or is he out? And at the end of the day, they make it hard to defend, but uh, it's tough. You just got to have a good plan, and you got to execute the plan. Now, how about this matchup, Shane? Big one in the SEC West Texas A&M going on the road to Ole Miss. It's going to be an ESPN night game. You got to know those fans are going to be rowdy down there in Oxford. College game day is on location. That just adds hype to the contest. And something that I hit on on the last episode, you know, we still have not seen anyone really emerge to be the Heisman front runner. And we know Matt Corral firmly entrenched in that discussion. But I think he needs another big time game here, nationally televised, going up against probably the, the nation's number two defense here that just limited Bo Nix and this Auburn team to, what was it, three three points in the game. Mm -hmm. If Matt Corral has himself a huge performance here, you know, that's clearly going to be the recipe for Ole Miss. I don't, wait, I don't even know if you call it an upset. I mean, it's basically a pick -em type game. But this is, I think, how you get back into that Heisman frontrunner discussion after dropping the Auburn game. And I think it's all there for the Ole Miss Rebels while – Again, the Aggies, man, they're still fighting for their SEC West lives. Alabama certainly looks beatable, you know, if you if you bring your A mm -hmm. game. So uh, Texas A&M's got to keep winning. They can still make it a trip to Atlanta to face the Georgia Bulldogs in the SEC championship game. This is, uh, is going to be one of the best games of the entire weekend in the country, don't you think? Absolutely, man. This is this... – 
And it's just you're catching the teams at the right time. I, I, I truly believe Texas A&M is just – golly, if they could redo a few things. You know what I'm saying? Right. I mean, we're talking about them like we're talking about Georgia or Alabama. These guys I, – I mean, you're, you need Alabama slip up one time and then they're in an SEC championship. That's, that's the kind of team we got here. And you do that by playing teams like Ole Miss and not making it a ball game. Don't do like you did – in, in weeks past and, and let a team stick around because you, you let Lane Kiffin stay within a possession or two of you, then you might as well just call it quits because he'll find a way to get those scores. That's the way Ole Miss plays. Uh, Matt Corral seems like he's getting healthier. This running – this the, the defense seems like they stepped up last week. I mean, that's one of those X factors. Hell, if you got the Ole Miss defense stepping up, then, then they can beat just about anybody. But – um, the fact of the matter is, Texas A&M defense is, is legit. They're going to have their hands full this week, but this is this is going to be probably the toughest defense they've played this year, man. Mm -hmm. Now, if Ole Miss does have success, which you know, who knows if they will or not, going up against this defense, what's the recipe do you think for the Aggies to? I'd hate to think you want to get in a shootout with Matt Corral, although we've seen mm -hmm. Zach Calzada do it with Bryce Young, and he, and he outdueled him, uh, but. Last week, Malik Willis, who a lot of people got as a top NFL draft pick. I mean, they made him look pretty average. And now you got Zach Calzada coming into town. Mm -hmm. I don't know. And can you even run him? I mean, he's getting banged up left and right. He's, we all know he's a warrior. But uh, this one feels like you got to lean on that offensive line, that running game, limit Matt Corral's touches. That's got to be the key to success for the Aggies, don't you think? Well, yeah, and that's obvious. Or that, or get Calzada hurt, you know, and just let him come back and win. <laughs> Did you see that? Did you see that? Uh, I can't remember who put it. out. I think it was like Fox or something like that. And uh, they said, you know, they're talking about he got hurt during Alabama when it was close. He comes back and wins that game. <laughs> he he gets hurt when it's three to three at uh, Auburn. He comes back and destroys him. So the key is just let your quarterback <laughs> get hurt at some point during this game so he can win. <laughs> no, I don't think that's the answer, Mike. Um, I, I think you're right. I think you're finding that running game. That's the key with with uh, with Texas A and M. It's just. When you got all your running backs hitting, it just opens up those passing lanes. You know, you just you try. That's you want to keep Calzada off the grass, man. I mean, that's that's the whole goal here. And and I'm not saying Ole Miss doesn't have a a, a tenacious defensive front, but there's no reason that Calzada should be running for his life during this game, Mike. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think you rely on the running game, open up, you know, get get Watermeyer you know, more involved, something like that, and just let your defense do their thing. They're going to keep Ole Miss off the field. But, again, you keep them around long enough. Lane Kiffin, he, say what you want. The guy's a hell of an offensive mind, man. He's going to find ways to put even the best defense in, in vulnerable positions if you allow it. So, right. um, the, just go. This is – go to work. That's what Texas A&M. You are a better team. Go out there, get to work. And if I'm the Aggies, I'm studying that Auburn tape, Shane, when they played Ole Miss because it was long, methodical drives. Mm -hmm. It was the Tank Bigsby show. It was play action. It was running Bo Nix in the red zone to, to punch these drives home. And Isaiah Spiller, currently third in the SEC in rushing, he is having a, another outstanding season. He, we already knew he was outstanding, but I think it was fair last year to say, well, they got this – Remember, it was the Maroon Goons. They had this elite offensive line. Now yeah. that line's a work in progress, yet Isaiah Spiller's still getting it done. I think that's a credit to just how outstanding of a player he is. That and, and limit Matt Corral. You, you, when he doesn't run effectively, they don't win, Mike. So how do you do that? You, you obtain pressure outside. You, you do all kinds of different creative ways and I have no doubt in my mind that Elko's going to find ways to keep pressure on, on Matt Corral. But that's the thing. You limit his running capabilities, then you, you make him a little bit more one-dimensional. And that's what you want. You want this a passing game with those receivers because I like my odds if it does that. Mm -hmm. Jim, but what is it about your teams that play better as the game goes on, fourth quarter, and as the season rolls on as well? Well, I, I, I do think it's – 
a lot of the ways we practice and we set practice up and we give a lot in the season, then we kind of grind down to what we are and who we are. And I think we always practice good on good. I think we practice good on good on Tuesdays and Wednesdays during the game weeks. I mean, I think you only get better playing good people. And we got good people on the other side for us to block, to run against, and then they, our line against our you know, defensive line, those are battles. And we were talking about last week, Mike's man, Tuesday and Wednesday last week, practice, whew, it was loud. I mean, it was loud. I mean, them guys getting after each other, and I think they, they make each other better, and they know it. I think they're learning to compete, too. I think you're learning to play the next play and not dwell on the scoreboard, not dwell on circumstances, not dwell on anything. What can I control? And that's how I play in my mindset for the next play, and I think we're learning that as a – and we preach that, and we try to practice that way, start fast, and how we finish practice and the things we do, and hopefully you know, the kids are buying into it. And, and it's paying off not just because of what we're saying, but what, what they're doing. And our, coach, our assistant coach is doing a good job. I got to squeeze in once. My boss knows I'm here. Um, when you <laughs> I saw, ain't got to answer. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. I'll still ask. Time strike three. <laughs> when, when, there you go. When you saw, uh, hopefully, two more outs. When you saw Zach recruiting him out of Georgia, you saw his arm strength. Of mm-hmm. course, did you realize how tough he was at that point? He was very competitive, and I know, I know when he was banged up his senior, year, and he took a team that didn't have a lot of great players to the state semifinals on his back a lot and playing against him and getting banged, knocked around and did some things. And you saw a competitor, but you don't really realize a guy's toughness till you get a hold of him and coaching yourself. And, and all characteristics of a guy you don't know and his intelligence till you really coach him. But you saw a great competitor with great arm talent. How do you approach this with your guys being still very much in the division race with, the, with a couple of don't worry about it. games going? You got one thing to do. Worry about practice today and get better. The fundamentals of practice today, totally focus on Ole Miss. Play it one day. At one, each, you got three one-game seasons. When you get to November and you're, and you're relevant, it's a playoff. So you forget about everything else. One week at a time, one day at a time, one practice at a time, one play at a time. And that's that simple. Don't worry about nothing. Hey, Coach, how do you best describe Isaiah's running style? I mean, he just seems to always find yards. Whether he does. I mean, he's very natural. Sees his scheme. He's learning to be more vertical and physical in his running. Very diverse, great eyes, cut back. Got, uh, can stick his foot in the ground, jump cut very well, physical. Just a great competitor, man. Just a great competitor. Productive. And at the end of the day, it's what you want running backs. Are they productive? I've seen guys, phenomenal talents and all that. Look at the day, man, we should have been – are they they're not as – he's productive. At the end of the day, all players. What, you know, what's your talent level? What's your production level? The way I look at them. Here's my talent. Here's my production. Is it above my talent? Is it below my talent? Why is it below it? What raises it above it? And, you know, his is above. And I don't mean he's very talented. I don't mean that, but he's productive, man. When you look at A&M's defense, is there any – specific unit that stands out to you or is it just kind of a, a whole team effort sort of thing it really looks like when you watch nfl defenses you know where basically everybody's a really good player you know that looks right you know a lot of times you watch you know you go to play somebody and you tell right away after a few series okay you know this player shows up as you know weak link you know or this player is short you know or you know like a small d tackle something like that you know that this is you know um I mean, I was watching it thinking like, okay, Jimbo, you know, figured out from Coach Saban, you know, recruit the best defensive players in the country, get them on your team and, you know, helps you be a really good head coach. And that's what these guys have, you know, really, really special players that are are dominant. Lane with Matt Corral, is this a situation where time and rest between games are allowing him to get better or – is it just going to be that way the rest of the year with back-to-back-to-back games left on the schedule? I hope not. I, I, the problem is it's not like there's a bye, you know, sitting in there. So he kind of has re-aggravated it, um, you know, every Saturday. So, uh, you know, I think this week will be very similar to last week, but hopefully eventually that's not the case. And, of course, with a game day coming to town, if it was up to you, who would be the celebrity guest picker? Well, it'd be Katy Perry. I mean, that's a no-brainer if you read Twitter, read my Twitter. But um, I just like when things have worked before. You know, like when coaches come up with plays and they want to run a play, I said, okay, well, can you show me it being run before? Well, I've seen this script before in this movie where Katy Perry shows up and Ole Miss wins. So I was on the other side of it. So work before, let's do it again. Now, how about the battle of the boot, Shane? This is a big one. Arkansas on the road at LSU. This is a, a heated rivalry between these two. And LSU, man, it just doesn't know what you're going to get week in and week out. One week they're getting blown mm-hmm. out. The next week they're going toe-to-toe with the mighty Crimson Tide on the road. 
Uh, I made a big deal out of uh, Arkansas being a favorite in Baton Rouge. I can't. I tried to look it up. I cannot remember the last time that has been the case. But uh, you know, Arkansas just won a, a very heated matchup against Mississippi State. And again, this is one where it looks like it matches. You know, th- this is it, it comes up at a perfect time for the Razorbacks be- mm-hmm. because you're getting on the right side of things. KJ Jefferson's playing outstanding. Traylon Burks is heating up. You got uh, Dominique Johnson, your running back now, that best performance of the season, and he was already having a good season. Yet you got to feel like LSU that laid it all on the line. They, you know, they played balls to the wall, but just came up short. Can mm-hmm. they get up like that two weeks in a row? Uh, I don't know if they can. What are your thoughts on this matchup? Well, I, I think too, like you said, timing's important with this game. You've got you've got the LSU Tigers that went to Alabama and almost pulled up an upset. You know what's worse than that is is not is falling short and watching that film and realizing you had opportunities. It's a little bit of a hangover. Uh, I, I see it with Kentucky right now. A lot of Kentucky fans are just kind of hungover from that loss. Right. They've had a couple losses this year, but this is when when it when you play these close games and it comes down to final drives and you just you just didn't put it away, then those those bleed into your next week. Well, here you got, you know, Arkansas Razorbacks that, you know, didn't play a flawless game last week, but they, again, kind of got back to their identity, running the ball, getting Burks involved. That's that's the key. That's the key to their success. It's, it's Mississippi State's a tough team to uh, to strategize for. I mean, you look at some of the games they go against. When you got a quarterback that's throwing fifty times a game, you're not used to that all the time. So, mm-hmm. but they did find a way to to get a victory there. They stayed healthy, and they're going into this week. Uh, I think on an upward upward swing. So, I think that's the problem here. Is we we got two teams going two different ways, right. and um, I, I just think the momentum right now is just all in Arkansas's court. And I don't know if you've seen this, Shane. I know we like to poke fun at Brad Johnson and all the uh, shots of him on the field. Mm-hmm. The backup down there at LSU is Garrett Nussmeyer. He's the uh, son of Doug Nussmeyer. He's been SEC coordinator. Now he's an NFL coordinator. And apparently Doug Nussmeyer called in there and, and got mad at the LSU coaches saying, why is my son not playing? So Coach O's going to play the backup now. <laughs> it's like, what is this, peewee football? I mean – Oh, I, I know Max Johnson didn't have a great game, but the fact we got parents calling in here and, and wondering why their son's not playing oh and, and the coach is giving into it. I mean, maybe that's got nothing to do with this game, but to me that it shows there's, there's issues there uh, behind the scenes for sure. Yeah. You got to You got a coach, uh, coach. O sounds like he's just, he doesn't want to make any enemies on his way out. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And that's, you can't have that. You can't. You can't. You can't. Who gives a shit who your backup quarterback is, Mike? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to be coaching this kid next year. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so I, I don't care. I want to. I want to put the best athletes out there on the field, and I want to try to win a game. So yeah, that's 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 ridiculous. And and the fact that that's noise that that we have to deal with going into this game. I mean, a rivalry game makes me want to put even more money on the Arkansas Razorbacks right now, man. Mm-hmm. They're more worried about the, the damn parent cam than they are who's winning this fucking thing. So get out of here with that nonsense. Coach, where did the bowling ball come from and why is it named Larry? I love that question. Um so I sent uh, Pat Doherty out to find a bowling ball. Um, and he went to somewhere and he said, man, they're expensive. And so I said, well, go down to bowling alley. They may have one or two laying around, you know. And so he bought Larry for $20. I did, actually. And he, it was great because when he brought the bowling ball back, it had the name Larry on it. And... I thought it was awesome, you know. And so, obviously, I told Hunter before the game that if we win, you know, we're gonna break, we're gonna bring Larry out, you know. And and uh, so that's where we got it. And Larry was purchased for twenty dollars, you know. And and the thing about that is, um, you know, I said it was like a Super Bowl for me personally and and our team. I don't know what a Super Bowl feeling is. I don't. I know what winning the Rose Bowl is like, and I know what playing in the national championship game and those things are like. Uh, 
you know, my opinion is about our football team. And if you were in our locker room, it can't get a whole lot better than what it did. Now, that's not the goal, but that was one of the goals. And when we reach a goal, we're going to celebrate it. Coach, a lot of historic games between these two programs. Will you talk at all about wanting to bring another trophy home this week? Will you talk about any of those past contests that, that we all know about? I don't know that we'll have a lot of conversation about um, the past games. Uh, we want, we, we certainly do. Um, you know, there's a trophy, and we'd like to have it. And uh, certainly we know LSU would too, but uh, I believe Basil designed it. I think he designs everything, you know. Um, <laughs> but he designed a trophy. It's a wonderful trophy. It was here two of my three years when I was here before. Very heavy trophy. Um, but, yeah, we'll talk about about the boat and and probably show a picture of it and things of that nature. We'd like to have it. It's kind of a stunning stat from that Alabama-LSU game. LSU held them to six yards rushing. I well, wonder what you thought about that. And then also, when I saw the video of you guys calling the hogs, you were lifting that bowling ball like it was – I haven't bowled in a while, but I think they're pretty heavy. Did, did you just been working out a lot or – Well, <laughs> all right, so you asked me about what first? about uh, LSU hold Alabama to six rushing yards. Yeah, you know, the rushing part of it, you know, it gets skewed when the sacks and all that kind of stuff. You know what I mean, sacks count in, in college against the rushing stats, not necessarily in the league, in the NFL. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they were all over the place now. They played hard. They played extremely well, and they flew around the ball. They were They played excited. And uh, I think someone asked me, you know, the first question about Coach O. He had his team; they were they were rolling. Uh, as far as the the, the bowling ball, you were looking like it was nothing. Oh, the bowling ball! You know, I tore this. Um, what do you call it? Bicep. I tore my bicep muscle. You know, I was doing that silly yes sir video at Georgia, and I went down to pick up Lucy like this and I was going to, you know, she's a bulldog, you know, so I was going to put her in the video and when I did it just popped right through here, you know, like a 22 going off, you know, it really did, you know, but I had to get the video out so my arm was shaking, you know, but anyway, I was a little concerned about lifting the bowling ball because it's heavy because I've torn this bicep, but I was, I was on adrenaline. It wasn't like it was a 100-pound ball, you know. I don't know how much it weighs, but it seemed to be pretty easy. This week we're going to um, let um, let uh, Max start, start, but we're going to put in Garrett. Uh, Garrett's going to get some plays. I already talked to him, and uh, we're going to let the best man win. And, uh, you know, uh, it's time to let Garrett play. He's a great quarterback. I like Max a lot. Max is still our starting quarterback, but I will give Garrett a chance. I talked to him. He wants to play, so he will play against Arkansas. And the guy that ends up playing the best is going to play the most. Um, with Garrett and, and Max, you kind of mean like they'll split reps in practice and that kind of thing? Yeah. Or in the game, they'll kind of both yeah. share time and yeah. then one will take over yeah, at some both, point? Both. They'll split reps in practice. And uh, we're going to play both Max and Garrett. Max is going to start, but I'm going to give Garrett significant snaps at the beginning of the game. And then we'll see how it goes. And how much will the the Max and, and Garrett split be the theme going forward for the quarterback situation? Yeah, it'll be 50-50 in practice. We'll let them split it. And uh, we haven't decided. Jake and I talked about it this morning. We haven't decided exactly how we're going to do it in the game. It may be first quarter, second quarter, maybe a couple of series. This series, it all depends how practice goes. depends how the game plan is. But that'll go beyond Arkansas? We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. If Max uh, plays better than Garrett, he's going to be the starter. If Garrett plays better than Max, he's going to be the starter. We'll let him battle up. Ed, you, uh, you you talked last week, I believe, about you know, Garrett uh, has you know, he had the opportunity to redshirt or the opportunity to, to, yeah. to play more. In the discussion, just talk about the discussions with him to to go forward with this plan. How, yeah. you know, how much he, he's eager to, to try to play because he could end up burning the whole year. Yes, yeah. he was mad. He was mad he didn't play. And uh, I talked to his father, uh, Doug, who I respect a lot, and. We had talked on Thursday. They had to be snaps where there was significant, and that if we put him in, he's going to play the rest of the year. And uh, I didn't feel that it was time to throw him in there for a couple of plays. 
and then us burn his red shirt year. I didn't want to do that to him. And uh, he came in the office yesterday and was adamant about playing. Uh, his father called uh, Jake and said, listen, hey, here's the plan. He wants to play. Let him play. So that's what we're doing. So obviously, it looks like right now he may not redshirt. It all depends on how the game goes, but that's his choice, and that's what he wants to do. Coach, not a lot of people had seen the animation from you on the <laughs> sideline Saturday. Is this – what you were talking about, the weight lifted off, and is it just you having more fun? And why haven't you been like that previous to this year, do you think? <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, you know, just going, in, just going into that stadium, there had been so much made of the statement that I made, and they were going to do this to me and all that stuff. I just wanted to compete, and uh, I love competing. And, uh, you know, I don't take things said about me personally. I don't uh, take that uh, lightly. I can't say nothing about it, but I can do something about it. And uh, neither I or our team was intimidated by anybody, and I mean anybody, on the sideline of Alabama or in the stadium. We went there to win. No disrespect to them. Great coaches, great team, great fans, but we were not going to go in there and get intimidated. So that's what you saw. Ed, I know you, you started your coaching career basically at Arkansas as an assistant strength coach 35 years ago. Yeah. Could you have imagined back then, what, what were you hoping that your career would be? And it could, obviously, I'm sure you're just looking for a foot in the door, right, yes. at that point. Could yeah. you have imagined what, what this journey would be like, good and bad, you know, throughout mm. your career? Think about this. I went there, I made $25 every two weeks. That was my check. I lived in the dormitory. And I remember going, man, you get to eat, so I go and eat. And then I walked there and on Saturday morning, and I saw something white, a big bowl of white stuff. And I asked my partner, I said, what is that? He said, that's gravy. I said, no, the gravy ain't white wild for them. <laughs> but, you know, it was a great experience. My first time in Division One football, they let me be a strength coach. I was assistant strength coach, really a GA. Then Coach Hatfield brought me on, on the field, working with Coach Hatfield and Coach Goldsmith. And then they taught me how to break down film. I was always there early in the morning. I worked with Coach Hatfield on special teams. It was a wonderful experience. And that that experience at Arkansas got me to be a G at Miami because those guys knew Coach Johnson and Tumbleville. So it was a great connection. It was a great springboard. Uh, no, I never dreamed all this stuff was happening. I'm very thankful. And I loved Arkansas. I really am. Dean Weber hired me there. He's still a good friend of mine. Coach Hatfield will come have breakfast with me when we go up there. Uh, I met a lot of great friends. It's a great place. All right. <laughs> Last game I wanted to uh, ask you about, Shane, here. Again, in the SEC West, we've got two teams uh, reeling a little bit here. Mississippi State at Auburn. Both teams coming off a loss. Both teams, you know, I thought they had a really good chance to win last weekend heading into those matchups. And, you know, this is a pivotal game here, Shane, because so much promise for the Auburn Tigers so much, uh, you know, Mississippi State fans were feeling themselves too. I think uh, each of these, you know, they, their season's got an opportunity to, to go in a little bit of a tailspin if they can't win mm -hmm. this weekend on the Plains. It's going to be tough for Mississippi State. But, hell, they've won at Kyle Field. They damn near almost won at Arkansas last week. They have been playing really strong on the road. Uh, what are your thoughts on this matchup, Mississippi State at Auburn? Yeah, well, clearly both of them disappointed off last week. So, who who rebounds, you know? Right. Does the young staff there at Auburn get these boys ready? I mean, it does. I think it helps that it's at home. Mm -hmm. The Plains is always a tough place to play. Um, but, you know, you, you still – there's going to be a little bit of a hangover factor, I would imagine. And that's one thing you can't have with the Pirate because he will – he will punish you for that. If you come into a game not game ready for the Mississippi State Bulldog, they're going to pass all over you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and next thing you know, you're going to look up and the and, and quarterback's going to be 48 of 52 and 400 <laughs> yards and your, your defense has been on the field the entire time. So that's 
That's what you can't have. And how you do that, Mike, you go back to Auburn football. You go back to what worked against Ole Miss, running the ball. Mm -hmm. Run, run, run the ball. You get Tank going. You get this offensive line. It builds momentum, man, As even as an offensive line. If you're an offensive lineman and, you're, and your running back's getting about six, seven yards a clip, you know, you go in that huddle, you're, you're pumped up, man. You're ready to get back out there because you're controlling that defensive front. And you got to be careful with Mississippi State because if you go in – thinking that you can just do that, they will come out and they will punch you in the mouth. They got a good defense. They got a good offense. They just they just fell short a few times this year. You can look at that record and say, well, they're not that good. No, Mississippi State's a top 25 program, Mike. And if you go in thinking that they're not, you're going to lose. Yeah, as good as Mississippi State is defending the run, that's kind of what Arkansas did last weekend. They stayed committed to it, and it paid off there. Uh, like I said, uh, Dominique Johnson had himself a big day game. That's got to be the recipe for Auburn, getting Tank, getting Hunter, getting Shivers, getting them going. Mm -hmm. That has got to be the key to this one, I think, for the Auburn Tigers. Whereas uh, I wanted to ask you, you know any kickers we could send down there to Mississippi State? They got an open tryout down there. and <laughs> Hell, if they had a kicker, they, they would have won last week. You know what? Absolutely, man. I mean, well, you, you you think about the games that Mississippi State has actually lost. You think the Memphis that got that was a screwed game. Yeah. Uh, LSU was a one possession game. Mm -hmm. uh, Alabama was the only one that really blew them out. Right. But short of that, they've they've been competitive in every single matchup. So don't think that this is not going to be any different. It will be. And unfortunately, if it does come down to kicking, then give me Auburn because I'm not confident that it can kick a field goal right now. <laughs> Coach, you've got six straight uh, quarters without an offensive touchdown. After being able to watch the tape from Saturday, uh, besides just execution, what, what things are you looking to get corrected in, in practice headed into Mississippi State? Yeah, well, we know we have to correct. Um, and... You know, I might as well just invite the Mississippi State's defensive staff in here if I told you all those things. Um, one is we got to score touchdowns. I mean, six quarters and no touchdowns. That's that's pretty telling. Uh, that's not, you know, what we're trying to accomplish on the offensive side. So uh, we need to have better plays. We need to have better play calls. We need to have uh, opportunities to score and create those on the offensive side. Uh, so we got to make plays and. You know, we got to be a whole lot better. You know, I thought two phases on Saturday against AM played pretty good. And, you know, offensively, we did not. So uh, that's got to be that's got to be corrected. And, you know, the players on that side of the ball, the coaching staff, um, it's pretty obvious, you know, that we need to score touchdowns in order to win games. And, you know, at the end of the day, uh, we haven't done that well enough. Um, we have another opportunity this week to go work on that and create that. Uh, those things have to happen every single day for us. Um, what I know about our team and our offense in particular, it doesn't just happen on Saturday. That's what I know. So if it's emphasized every day, if it's focused every day, if it's executed every day, then we'll have a lot better opportunity to not be, you know, at the very bottom and not scoring points uh, on the offensive side. So. Good, how are you? Man, I'm good, man. Bust out of the favorite. I can't complain. Thanks for the time, as always. Um, all right, during the game, there was a point where Texas A&M had two pre-snap penalties. On TV, they mentioned that it's possible that Auburn could have been making sounds on defense, and after the game, Jimbo Fisher basically mentioned that it's possible that Auburn could have been simulating the snap count. Do you have any comment on from the stuff from CBS or the stuff from um, – Jimbo, yeah. No, that's that's the first I've heard it. Um, it just sounds like a court case. It's possible. Um, no, I, I didn't hear that. I didn't. Um, I don't think that's anything that our defense was out there trying to do. I don't even know if they know the snap count. Uh, if our guys are talking, they're talking to each other. Um, and sometimes, you know, I know on the first one watching it, I know. Uh, their offense was pointing at our guys. Then they had one right again on the second uh, play, back-to-back. -back. <clears throat> I think it was their left tackle. And I think he moved and just put his head down. Usually when a guy on offense moves and just drops his head, it's on him. All right, you just know, and, and most of the time, offensive linemen, they don't really sell it very well. Like, if they made the mistake, they just, they just acknowledge it. 
you know, that's most of their nature. Uh, just take it, accept it. They move the ball back. and um, But no, I mean, that was a, you know, even the environment there for when their offense was on the field, you know, there's a, there's a loud hum in that stadium. So uh, that's the first I heard of that either way. But no, I don't think that's anything from our side. Mentioned on uh, Saturday you had open competition at kicker. Have, what's the response been like? Uh, today so far you know we've had quite a few people uh pay some attention reach out to us the biggest thing is i want to have um uh, which we did this at other stops i've had where uh, basically you'd have guys walk on um <clears throat> and uh and you can only do it when you're allowed to use a ball which is during spring and uh so like you know guys that accumulate in january you say all right we'll see you first day of spring and you check out what they can do but, you know, we're in season now, so we can check it out if their NCAA papers are right. And um, anyway, we want to um, uh, have, a, have a, a pile of kickers that are available that uh, we cultivate, develop. And <clears throat> over the years, uh, most of my kickers have been walk-on guys that have developed and improved to the point uh, to where they become the starting kicker. And... Uh, I remember one guy, and, and I have the utmost admiration for him, um, you know, starting right out of high school. He went to the kicking tryout, uh, and we cut him. We cut him for like three years, and he kept working, kept working, and, you know, we cut him for like three years. He was a starting kicker for like two years for us, and it was really quite impressive. And he's, uh, <clears throat> you know, just became deadly accurate, grew, uh, grew a little bit, and so anyway, I just want to have a pile of kickers, and uh, and I want to develop them um, over time so that as they improve and elevate, you know, they have a chance. I've also had a situation where the uh, walk the walk on kicker played ahead of the scholarship kicker, which I'll do that without any hesitation because um, um, you know whoever plays the best and helps us uh, be successful is the guy we want out there. Okay. And um, have you spoken to either of your guys that uh, played on Saturday about your post-game comments about the, the kicking tryout? And are you concerned that they've uh, impacted their confidence, or do you think it kind of gave them a chip on their shoulder? You know, I don't know what it did, but uh, the thing is, is that there's a ball and you kick it, and it really doesn't matter if uh, if a bunch of seven-year-olds are watching or if, uh, if um, <clears throat> you know, uh, uh, five million Mongol warriors on horses getting ready to shoot uh, their bows and arrows at you because, um, you know, I mean, you, you approach the ball and kick it. It's as simple as that. Uh, but I do want, um, <clears throat> I do want to have that depth, you know, that um, uh, we developed. And I just got to thinking about it that we hadn't done that. Uh, we hadn't done that here. And <clears throat> you know, it's just kind of automatic, you know, as they would, they would come through and, you know, we'd, oh, there'd be a list of about uh, 40, you know, and then and some would uh, kick it worse than you would think, like worse than you can, for example. And, um, <clears throat> well, okay, so, but some were even worse, trust me. And then, um, and then, uh, and then some were quite remarkable. <clears throat> and those you'd keep around, kick drills, and then they'd work, develop, and then two years later, boom, there's your starting kicker, you know. All right, buddy, that's all I got on this episode of the show. You got anything before we hop off the line? No, no, I appreciate you jumping on early. And like I said, if any coaches get fired later today, apologize. <laughs> we didn't know about it. But uh, taking the girls over to Asheville, North Carolina, going across enemy lines here and have us a nice dinner and get out on town. So, uh, But I'll be back on the Pick'em Show because uh, I'm feeling pretty lucky, Mike. Ooh. I don't know about you, but uh, I'm enjoying making all this money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the listeners are enjoying making all that money fading our picks. So, You'll have an opportunity to do that once again here on Friday. But I do appreciate you, Shane, hopping on the line. I appreciate mm -hmm. each and every one of you for hanging out. We'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go balls. <laughs>